Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Taking a look at the markets today, it was kind of a mixed bag for the corn, lower on the beans, and the wheat complex that saw its lower trade. Flip the page to the livestock. It was mixed higher on the live cattle, but lower on the feeders. Now, lean hogs, which we know have had a struggle, saw the nearbys trading at some decent numbers. We're going to take a look at what's been pulling on these markets today as we have a, a shortened trade week. It's just a reminder, markets are closed on Friday for the Good Friday holiday. We'll take a look at what's been going on. We've got a week full of jobs reports. We've got uh, different things happening in Stonex with their Brazil production survey on corn and beans. We'll take a look at what's been happening in the cattle industry as well. As Arlen Suderman joins us today, Arlen, of course, with Stonex. And Arlen, you and I were just talking, and you just reposted a, a tweet out there that talked about Minnesotans digging out from the snowstorm to make it to the 4th of July fireworks. And in tongue-in-cheek, there's a lot of concern out there about this weather and these weather patterns that keep bringing more snow and, and delaying and prevent plant and all the things that are coming with it. Yeah, it really is. And and we had too many prevent plant acres in the region last year. We certainly didn't want a repeat of that again this year. Uh, last year was due to persistent rain. This year's due to the heavy snowpack. The difference is once it warms up and dries out, the rain, the muddy fields and the rain can dry out quicker than if you have to melt the snow first before you deal with the water. And if you look at the estimated uh, water equivalent in the snow in in some areas of the northwestern Corn Belt, in some places it's more than 10 inches of water in that snow. So a tremendous amount of moisture, it's got to move. Uh, we got to melt the snow. Every time you start to melt it and it refreezes, then you form a little layer of ice, which slows down the melting even more the next time it warms up. Uh, it does look like we're going to have a significant warm-up here over the next 10 days, which is going to start melting it down. It looks like the heavy snow signature is now missing out of the forecast going forward, although there will probably be some more snows in the area. Uh, the heavy snows look like they're a thing of the past now. We certainly hope so. Got a lot of moisture there, and the bigger concern now is the flooding. Uh, and uh, some are worried that this could be historic proportions of amount of flooding, depending on how fast the snow melts in the region. And so much of our cropland is in the river valleys in that region of the of the country, and something we're going to have to watch very closely. And it's not something that uh, farmers in that area haven't seen before. And, um, you know, they've dealt with it before, but it is a problem and it is something we're watching. If all goes well, they can still plant the crops, but they've got some obstacles to overcome between now and getting those crops in the ground. And I know we'll be closely watching as we get those weekly reports coming from NASA on Mondays, but does it make the trade a little uneasy? Knowing how much snow that continues to fall to those to the north? It does, and I think that's one of the reasons we saw some resiliency in the corn market today. I don't think the trade is worried about it yet, but it is something they have their eyes on, is something that they're staying focused on and kind of monitoring it. Uh, if we get to the month of May, that's when the forecast looking deeper into the month of May, we'll start getting an idea of what the chances are. We'll be watching when the last of the snow melts. We'll have a better handle on the flooding um, pressures that we're seeing at the Red River Valley and surrounding areas. We'll know a lot more then, and I think the market will pay a lot more attention then. 
So as we look at the the neighbors to the south, they've got the planting. The crop is underway. Stonex has got a Brazil production survey that's coming out on corn and beans. Some some good information that maybe folks haven't seen a lot of talk on social media about how that crop is doing. Yes, our soybean crop uh, estimate for Brazil, and again, this is a customer survey-based estimate. Uh, We came out on Monday. We raised it 3 million metric tons and 157.68 million metric tons. USDA is at, I believe, 153 million metric tons. We're one of the higher estimates in the industry right now. I think I said earlier this year, that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we eventually ended up near 160 million metric tons if things go well, and that's exactly what's happening. We do have yield losses in the southern part of Brazil where it was drier, but the yields in the center-west district, Mato Grosso and surrounding areas, have just been unbelievable. And so overall, it leaves us with an above-trend yield for the country as a whole. For corn, uh, remember they have three crops of corn, the third one is very small, just a few million metric tons. The first one, the summer crop, is about 20 to 25% of their production. And that was more affected by the drought in the south. But yet we saw good enough yields that we actually increased production for that a little bit, which more than offset the little bit of a loss of production for the safrina crop from a decrease in acreage with the late planting. A net result was to add about seven-tenths of a metric ton onto our production estimate, taking it to 131.34 million metric tons. Again, that's uh, four to five million metric tons uh, above where USDA and many in the private sector are. I think our acreage numbers are a little bit higher than a lot of them on both our corn and our soybeans based on our producer surveys. Um, But that just shows that if conditions continue to be favorable, how big of a crop they could continue to harvest down there in Brazil. And I think that's the the big thing to keep in mind. The soybean crop is pretty well made now, so we feel pretty good about that. On corn, it's a different story. Um, We still have a lot of the growing season yet to go. And a lot of people are lowering their estimates because the crop went in late, and they say, well, that increases the freeze risk and the, and the dry risk. But so far, the weather is very cooperative, so we feel good about these estimates. Looking at that, uh, we'll come back. We're going to take a look at more of what's happening on the grain side of the complex. We'll talk about that jobs report. We'll also take a look at some discussions happening with the House Speaker in Taiwan and then how now is the time for producers in the cattle industry. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome to the Fontenelle Feature. I'm Joe Gangwish, FSR with Fontenelle Hybrids. We're going to visit with Bob Wiseman. He's a Fontenelle Hybrids dealer in the Hershey, Nebraska area. So, Bob, tell us what you enjoy most about working with Fontenelle Hybrids. I would say it's the relationships that we've built with our FSRs and agronomy guys. Just the knowledge that's out there and any questions, people are readily available to answer and and help you out. And being a dealer for Fontenelle, what's been the most rewarding aspect for you? Finding the products that fit a producer's needs and watching them succeed. And what makes Fontenelle stand out among other local seed brands? I would say it's probably our large selection of quality hybrids to fit all maturities and then the abundance of varieties with and without traits to fit everybody's needs. For more about us, you can visit Bob Wiseman there in the Hershey area, any of our Fontenelle dealers across the state of Nebraska, or go to Fontenelle.com. 
Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation with Arlen Sudermo Stonex. And one of the things I love about having Arlen on this program is we kind of get an in-depth outside market influence on, on what we see in this ag trade. And that especially comes when it is a week of jobs reports. And um, I kind of scratched my head a little bit when you said that there was a report, Arlen, coming out on Friday. But Friday's a federal holiday. So that just adds a whole nother element to what we're seeing within this trade this week. Uh, it does. This is really jobs week. And why is that important? It's important because the market's been focused on inflation and the Federal Reserve's response to inflation. Because the Federal Reserve has made it clear that the biggest problem with the stickiness of inflation yet is in the service sector, which is heavily labor dependent. So the only way to truly get inflation down to the 2% mandate is to tackle wage inflation. And so you do that by bringing into balance the number of, of open positions with the number of people looking for jobs. So we've been running consistently about two open, two open positions for every worker looking for a job. And so therefore you have companies competing with each other for a limited supply of workers. So the Fed, only real tools that the Fed has are to slow down the economy with their monetary tightening and their interest rate hikes to try to discourage companies from hiring and maybe increase layoffs, take the unemployment rate up. So you have fewer job openings uh, that starts to match up with the number of people looking for jobs. So this is a big week in data on the jobs. First of all, we had the JOLTS report that came out yesterday, and, and that focused on number of job postings at the end of February. So the data is delayed, and it we had been running um, 10.5 to 11.5 million. I think 11.5 or that neighborhood is the record high. So we've been running very high levels of job postings. That fell below 10 million for the first time since May of 2021. It's at 9.9 million. Now that's still too many. That's still several million too many, but it's a move in the right direction for the Fed if it's trying to reach its objectives. Then we had the ADP private sector jobs report for the month of February, excuse me, month of March came out today, this morning. And it showed only 145,000 jobs created last month. Now we're still creating jobs, but the number expected by analysts was 200,000. So it came in much softer than what was anticipated. And again, the trade interprets that as meaning that the Fed's rate hikes and monetary tightening is starting to have its effect. And we got service sector uh, uh, purchase managers uh, survey data came out today showing that we're really dramatically slowing down growth in the service sector too, which we anticipate that means slower hiring going forward. Tomorrow we'll get the weekly jobless claims and that runs, that's been running right around 190 to 200,000 per week, which is historically a very low number. And we'll be seeing if that starts to climb higher as we start to see more people looking for work. Uh, so far, when everyone's, whenever people lost their job, they've been able to find one pretty quickly. And then Friday is the one you mentioned, the big monthly government jobs report. Highly unusual for that to be released on a holiday. I think someone must have messed up scheduling that for a holiday. And why it's significant is this: all these other jobs reports are simply the markets trading them in anticipation of what the impact may be on Friday's jobs report. And that may be the biggest market mover of all. So we'll have to wait till Sunday night and Monday for the market to trade the numbers 
from that report. Um, but overall, what they're looking for is still for the unemployment rate to stay very low at 3.6%. If that number starts popping higher with any significance and the number of jobs created in the economy as a whole uh, drop, then that would suggest the Fed's work is uh, starting to have an impact, but it means they still got more work to do if they're going to reach that 2% mandate. House Speaker having, having some conversations with Taiwan. What's that mean to our ag market? Well, first of all, the Chinese government takes it as a, as a challenge to their national security to have any government officials in the United States meet with Taiwanese government officials. We remember a year ago, well, no, it wasn't a year ago, it was last August, when House Speaker at the time, Nancy Pelosi, visited Taiwan and visited with the president of Taiwan, and China responded with a major blockade around the island nation of Taiwan and did military drills around it for a period of time. Now, Kevin McCarthy, the current House Speaker, uh, had indicated an intention to go to Taiwan, but instead Taiwan's president stopped here on her way. Uh, She was doing a trip to Central America, met with him. So China has promised a response. Now we're going to be monitoring, see what that response is and whether it has any impact on purchases of U.S. commodities. All right, best way for folks to get a hold of you, Arlen? Stonex.com or over on Twitter. My handle is Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-F-101. Well, we ran out of time to talk to about the cattle. Tune into this week's Cattle Call to get more depth on what's going on in the markets there. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.